Hello and welcome to another edition of Humanitarian AI Today, a podcast series produced by the Humanitarian AI meetup groups in Cambridge, San Francisco, Seattle, New York City, Toronto, Montreal, London, Paris, Berlin, Oslo, Geneva, Zurich, Bangalore, Tel Aviv and Tokyo. I'm Mia Kosiavelu and today we are going to discuss AI education with a very special guest, Welcome Preeti Adhikari, former Vice President of Marketing at Fuse Machines, an AI education program. Welcome Preeti. Where are you now? Where are you joining us from? Thank you, Mia. I am in New Jersey. Okay, lovely to have you on today. So just for, for our audience, Preeti's presently working in a nonprofit and dabbles in the venture capital world. And we're going to hear a lot about her background with Fuse Machines and what she's jumping into next. A bit later joining the call, we also have Ahmad Tafti, who's the Assistant Professor of Computer Science at the University of Southern Maine and the Director of USM's Hex AI Lab. So shall we start with an introduction from you? That'd be great. Sure. Thanks, Mia. I'm really excited to be here. I am originally from Nepal, have a super nonlinear career. I've worked in, you know, banking and energy and nonprofits and whatnot. Uh, But most recently, I used to be the VP of marketing and operations in Fuse Machines, which is an AI startup in New York City. Also, uh, I was also the AI lead and director at a digital assets investment bank, again, in New York City. And you know, what I'm trying to do now is understand the policy sector as well as help connect entrepreneurs to investors in the VC space. I love how you fused everything together. Right. <laughs> it's kind of really cool. So shall we maybe start with your work? Would you like right. to talk more about your work at Fuse Machines and what captivates you about AI education? Sure. So I joined Fuse Machines, I think around 2016, and I was there for three and a half years as the VP of Marketing and Operations. So which meant that I led the commercial side of things as well as their social mission of democratizing AI. As you guys are well aware, Dr. Samir Maske is the co-founder and CEO of Fuse Machines, as well as an adjunct associate professor at Columbia University. So for me, you know, being from Nepal and having lived all over the world, I do understand the challenges and opportunities at different places. And what I love about AI more than anything else is the domino effect it has in these developing countries, right? As well as even within different pockets, even in the U.S., you can see the impact it has on underserved communities around the U.S. Yeah, I have fond memories of of our interview maybe a couple of years ago. Right. Dr. Samir and, you know, the insights he he gave into just the the humility of of what comes out of a place and a context like Nepal and how it just has uh, grown and developed since then. How would you describe your journey since being there and and to what you're doing now? Can you fill us in a little bit? Sure. I mean... So it's it's been really interesting, right? I mean, you know, one of the things that we were trying to do is democratize AI, which sounds such like a cliche in a way, right? Because it's used so much. You hear this term democratize for anything, right? It, anything can be democratized. But what it means at the root is you're trying to provide access, right? You're opening, you know, something to the to the world. And for me, it was, you know, it was really personal as well, right? Because I could see the impact we were having and it was very tangible, right? So we were not really, not just impacting the lives of the students that, you know, did the fellowship with us, but the communities. And you can you can see that, right? 
I mean, so one of my personal favorite things is, you know, I've kept in touch with some of the students in our cohorts and I've loved their journey, like, you know, where they would start from community colleges in, uh, in New York and they would end up at Facebook or IBM and doing incredible things, right? And for us, I feel like it, it's so satisfying to, be, to have played a small part in their journey. And just to see such a living result of your efforts and, you know, just what you said, it's personal. So you care and, and that's beautiful. So you mentioned earlier you're presently involved in venture financing. So does the, the success of grassroots AI educational initiatives boil down to money? And what's your take on AI education from a venture company perspective? Sure. So, I mean, if you look at funding worldwide, you see that edtech ed tech companies that use AI have received a lot of funding, right? But in terms of services, providing services, which, you know, educating students on AI is a little difficult, right? Because it's more, it doesn't fully fit into a traditional VC model. But what I've loved recently is there are so many foundations, right? Mark Cuban has invested a lot. There are organizations like AI for All and others like that, which are really trying to break barriers. They're trying to really work in this space. And then there are these impact investors as well, where they realize that this is super crucial in terms of you know, changing our world and they're actually investing in it. So that makes me really happy. What do you think of the different models, the AI educational models? Like what was Fuse Machine's model? And then sure. what, how did that work? And So in terms of we originally started as, you know, we use Columbia's uh, EDX courses, MicroMasters in AI and so on. Later on, we built our own courses, right? But how we differed from traditional MOOCs and so on is we provided the in-person guidance and mentorship, right? Because there are even, you know, for any subject, you know, that you can think of, there are online courses available now, right? And you can see that driven students will complete them without instructions. But most people need a little bit of nudging, need, need a little bit of guidance. And in subjects like AI, I think that really makes a difference. So for us, what we actually did was... Um, we did a comparative study with uh, Columbia University in terms of their, because it was their course that, that we were providing in terms of completion rates for their overall course, as well as our completion rates. And ours was like, I think we had like much better, like I think by a few times, you know, our completion rates were so much better, right? So the investment we were putting in terms of really mentoring and guiding these students really helped them complete the courses as well as apply them to their work or studies or whatever. And you said there's been a lot of investment in education earlier, Preeti, and I really, I remember Dr. Samir saying there's a talent shortage and that's real. Do you feel what you are investing in is really paying off in terms of growing the talent and and is it effective like I think Brent mentioned you know what's a methodology or a model around it what are some of the challenges what might need improving what do you feel we can do better one thing that I I really that stood out from that interview was you know we can't bypass some learning especially when it comes to math and the layers and layers the foundations that that it takes to build machine learning so how have you addressed and overcome some of these issues? 
Overall, I mean, I am a non-technical person, right? But what I've really uh, learned and what I've noticed is AI is taught, in my, at least in my opinion, a little later in life, right? When people in, are in college and so on. And, and there is a, re- a reason for it in terms of the foundational knowledge you have to have of mathematics and things like that, right? But it's like not connected to other majors, right? I feel like still we think of AI as something that data scientists and software engineers and so on are supposed to learn, not everybody. AI affects all of us, right? We're using AI and applying it in our work, whatever, even when we don't even realize it. So what I hope it becomes later on is a multidisciplinary, you know, there's a multidisciplinary approach and it's actually taught to students of different fields as well as included in curriculums in the School of Business, the School of Arts and Sciences, and things like that. In terms of investment in AI education, I think it definitely pays up, but it's not something that you will see in like two months, right? Because even to get a certain level of um, expertise, or I, I don't want to use the word fluency, but you know, to have that level of knowledge, it, it does take investment, right? And you do see the results after a while, right? So for example, I a few years ago, I was a judge for some, some pitch competition in Nepal, right? And, you know, I had expected normal startups, you know, like, these were all students, right? Um, and the ideas were just so crazy crazy in the sense of they had actually thought of using ai to solve like local problems like problems of pollution problems of congestion problems of delivery and whatnot right so what i love is when we actually open up ai education we're changing these communities right it doesn't have to be it changes the perspective of having somebody from the U.S. actually going somewhere and trying to solve problems. It enables and empowers people in those communities to build solutions that actually work for them, right? So in in terms of investment, definitely, you know, it pays off, but it is medium to long-term for sure. So I've got a question here a little bit more around the education initiatives that are advancing the field. So what initiatives have been tough? What have been sustainable? Are partnerships with universities the key? But, you know, just maybe talk around partnerships that come with their own challenges. What's tough about the whole area that you're I know you're in the finance side, so maybe we'll hear more in a minute from the education side. And we've got our special guest with us that will be joining us, Ahmad Tufti, in a minute. So I'm not sure if that's a question for you, Preeti, or... Sure. I mean, I can give it a try and Ahmad can definitely add his um, insights to it. Thank you. Sure. So like I said, right, I mean, I think there is an opportunity for universities, definitely, because they do have the resources, they do have the expertise, right? What needs to happen more and more is that fusion of private and public sectors with academia, right? Because what also seems to be missing, and it's not just computer science or AI, but in general, there is a disconnect from what's happening in Uh, universities, the research, the top-notch, you know, cutting-edge research they're doing, and that that, that application in the real world, right? But if we are able to create that ecosystem where there is knowledge sharing, uh, you know, sharing of best practices, as well as the expertise, then 
imagine the startups will spin out, right? That that'll come out of it. Imagine the problems we'll face, and imagine also the talent pool that that we can create. Absolutely. So thanks for joining us too, Assistant Professor of Computer Science at the University of Southern Maine. And did you want to talk about some of the challenges facing AI education from your um, point of view and, and maybe introduce yourself and tell us a bit of what you're working on? Thank you for having me. Let me briefly introduce myself. Uh, my name is Ahmad Tafti and I am coming from University of Southern Maine Computer Science Department. I am assistant professor at the University of Southern Maine, where I am also leading our efforts at HexAI Research Laboratory. And HexAI actually stands for Health and Explainable AI. So to get back to your question, what I have seen in my career in terms of artificial intelligence, so some of the challenges I can list in terms of education. The first challenge is that so we to me, we are still getting some sort of challenges in terms of validation and in terms of you know how we can translate those kind of AI components into real practice to tackle real world problems. So in terms of theory, in terms of fundamental mathematical aspect, AI is pretty much mature. But in terms of practice, you know, we still need to get together to brainstorm and have them actively test them, validate them actively, and then turn them into, into practice. So from the other side, you know, it's not, it's not turning AI components into practice. When we are saying AI to practice, it means a lot of, you know, kind of components. One could be responsible AI. Responsible AI, we mean something like explainability, we mean something like the fairness in AI, and also security and privacy. So these are four different components in responsible AI, but for all of them, we should come up with some sort of description, explanation, clarify, you know, what we actually mean by fairness, what we actually mean by explainability. And these are, I mean, like few kind of challenges we are facing with. And that would be great if we can, I don't know, organize a, you know, like a community from industry, from academy, academia, you know, get together and yeah, discuss, discuss these kind of uh, subject matters. And I'll just add one point to, uh, you know, Ahmed's ex excellent point, right? One of the things that I, I feel AI education is really, really important is because we're creating a diverse workforce, right? When we talk about ethics and AI and bias and so on, there's, you know, some of the root causes have been the, the people that are building these AI systems are not diverse, right? They're just, you know, very homogeneous in a way, right? So what we're hoping to accomplish from AI education is that as well, right? You know, that opening up access means that the people building it, hopefully, you know, are from different lived experiences, ethnicities and everything, so that what we build actually has some, some diverse views as well. In terms of education, so when we are talking about AI, as you truly mentioned, so AI is not just AI in terms of algorithms. It does mean a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, it does have a lot of, you know, components under the bigger like one big umbrella called AI. 
one is ethics so in in ai so i would like to uh, you know learn from you so in terms of education when we are saying ethics in ai what we what we mean actually with ethics so ethics in terms of as you say like you know diversity in terms of inclusive strategy to have all people ranging from different demographics you know different age different genders different education ethnicity being involved in ai in or, or also in ai education or does it have another sort of meaning ethics in ai is such a tricky point right i feel like we can spend uh, a lot of the whole day just talking about it you know my recent experience is you know i took i i took a python course <laughs> and we were you know the the professor actually taught us to make deep fakes and so on right? and it was so easy like so easy right so in terms of that I, it's amazing and it's scary right it's amazing that you can you know somebody that doesn't ha- even have a full technical background like me can build it's amazing that we can have these tools that can be used for good but then the risk is always you know what if it falls into bad hands and it has in so many occasions right so with ethics it's definitely a more complicated conversation but what i hope is you know stakeholders come together to at least have some kind of benchmark some kind of i don't want to say boundaries but uh, there needs to be more conversation around it right how do we prevent misuse of ai right is there something that can be done to protect the, the privacy of people right how can we protect people more than anything else right so there needs to be it's not a simple yes no Uh, answer for sure but it needs to have a lot more dialogue for sure Preeti I think I'm not sure if we mentioned this earlier but in your view what do you think we need more of so we we've touched on AI for good can exist with AI education so what are your thoughts on the relationship between education and applications would you mind just stop I think that real life application is so important right so even when we and it's uh, true for any subject at this point right if you cannot apply it it becomes something that you just you know you just try to pass the exam for right but ai has this potential of disrupting every industry that we can think of it has the potential of changing the world for sure right so my hope is that the curriculum includes apprenticeships and it includes real world application so that it doesn't just become something that you learn in class right it you have to be able to apply it uh, in in the real world and you know if there is a cross pollination of industry and academia and different sectors right i think that's going to help so, so that we know what's happening where ai can be really used what are uh, entrepreneurs doing and so on so there if there is a cross pollination it definitely will help yeah and i just had this random thought as you were speaking about just education you know in a wider sense and the whole idea of responsible ai i think education is the hope of for humanity becoming a responsible humanity so we can have a responsible ai as well so i think those two can really help ai on ai itself has told us what it sees which is fascinating i i'm not sure how you're prioritizing this kind of framework let's call it in you know in your sphere as a vc how do you prioritize responsible ai I think it's it's really important right and I think it's going to shape you know how we sort of 
move towards the next decade and next century and so on right ai is changing the future of work and any industry so it the good thing now is that people are self organizing even without governments have obviously some governments have mandates around they have an ai strategy and so on but even without that you know i love like what brent is doing and others are doing that in terms of really being aware and conscious and building a community around responsible use of ai right what must happen after that is that it to bring about change that's what's needed as well right that we you know the first step is realizing that we the things we've built so far are amazing but maybe you know they've lacked in terms of being responsible around these factors and uh, then becoming intentional about changing things that we can Indeed, and what Ahmad said before about from theory to practice, as we navigate this wave of what's going on, it's a super fascinating and very important time. Pretty, before we, I know you have to go, but before you sign off, do you like to say anything in closing? I feel like you know this is one of my favorite topics to talk about, right? Because it's not we're not just talking about the the technology, but the impact it can happen, right? So I'm happy to have a further conversation on this. Thank you. Before we dive into a closing question, Ahmad, we haven't really had a chance to explore this huge topic of theory and practice, which I'm an absolute geek over, and what you said earlier about. the priorities of explainability security fairness in your mix of figuring out how to jump into the practice side you say ai is mature what yeah. else needs to be mature who do we look for for guidance in this roadmap and exploration so good question let me put it in this way so i can come up with an example like a real world example so imagine because i'm i'm actively working on um, application of ai in orthopedic setting and what i'm trying to say is application of ai in computational orthopedics to better understand actually complication after knee replacement or hip replacement using medical images so one real world scenario or example i would like to to talk about that is imagine for example i am a radiologist and i am working in hospital a so in hospital a so we have different machines to generate x-ray images to generate mri images and let's say for example after 2 years 3 years i would like to move to hospital a prime so in another city even in another country right so in that hospital i will face with different sort of machines so me as human as a radiologist as a domain expert without any training can still understand those kind of complications right in those images so it doesn't matter i am working in hospital a or i am working in hospital a prime but if we build train test and validate ai components in hospital a it's going to be challenging to have it with its current shape to have it functioning very well in hospital a prime so the reason why is that so the machines they are generating x-ray and ct images they are pretty much different so what i mean is that so the the image quality the contrast the brightness the noises model of noises we will have in those images they're going to be different meaning that we may need to develop two different ai components to tackle same problem 
within different settings. So this is one of the challenges, you know, when we say we want to turn AI components into real world practice or into practice, so more challenges will come up, more challenges will show up. So this is one example, right? So we don't want, end of the day, we don't want to make two, three, four, five different AI models to tackle very same problem, right? So we want to make a, so to me, I am always thinking about a kind of giant model, right? So what I'm trying to say is that a very giant generalized AI component that can understand image modalities, differences, discrepancies, you know, in those at least images accurately, precisely, efficiently, and come up with some sort of results. So with this example, I just wanted to just quickly demonstrate very simple problem. We will get into that if we want to turn AI into practice. Yeah, that's such a, what you said, giant area and diagnostic is what I got out of this. You know, just taking lots of information and not being totally linear. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's very true, Mia. So it's not about, it's not all about diagnostics. It's also, you know, about segmentation, measurement, and also prediction. It's not all about descriptive analysis. It could be also about predictive analysis. So imagine, for example, I, as a patient, I am having a knee replacement. And this is, you know, better than me. So knee replacements, they are some sort of metal. So there is a list of concern for long-term safety of a knee replacement due to some sort of metal debris that can come to the blood and may cause some sort of cognitive decline, right? Or maybe heart failure. So, you know, these are real challenges we want to solve. We want to cope with that in terms of health informatics, in terms of computational orthopedics. So again, in terms of problem setting, it seems feasible, it seems doable to develop AI. But when we get into that, so we will see it's not easy, it's challenging. Again, it's not all about explainability. So it's all about responsible AI, right? So how we can build responsible, giant, large-scale AI model that can tackle different problems and be safe, trustful, kind of fair strategy at the same time. Ahmad, so we're actually going to be speaking with you again towards the end of the month with Preeti, and we're going to speak about AI education and give us a little preview of what AI education means to you and how do you take, you know, developing these three models and how do you involve students in that process and teaching them how to approach these problems and solve them and contribute to applications. Give us a taste of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, so AI education is, is a very, actually, hot topic. To me, there is a still a pressing need to develop workforce, right, for kind of, you know, financial, economic, kind of social development for our country and also for different states we have. Even... In terms of education of AI, one of the things I actually, I'm really serious about that when I'm teaching AI in, in, terms, is in terms of impact. How, let's say, for example, we developed a 
I don't know, like an intelligent agent as a vacuum cleaner, like a robot, intelligent robot that can do the home cleaning or that can assist us or assist visually impaired people to understand different signs across hospitals, across the street. But the impact and actually, so the technology is one part of that. The theory and algorithm is one part of that. But the impact we can have for the community, you know, so for, for example, for visually impaired people, for students, for, I don't know, health informatics. This is one of the things I am really serious in my classes when I am teaching AI. So I would like to have my students see very far in terms of application, how they can provide more meaningful implementation to the community. This is one of the aspects of, of AI in terms of education. I'm really interested. I'm curious to hear a bit about the mix of students taking classes in AI. So I am having at the moment in this semester, I am also teaching AI. So this semester I have about 20 students. They are all graduate level students and also like a senior level kind of students. And this semester, I don't know for whatever reason, all of the students I have, they are male students. I don't have any female student in my class at the moment. So I don't know. So maybe this is something in our department or whatever, but moving forward, I would like to see more diverse set of students in my classes in terms of ages, in terms of genders. And yeah, and they are all from Maine State, I believe. And in the curriculum, do you have a chance to go across different different disciplines or is it is it yeah. multidisciplinary? Uh, do they get a chance to sort of go outside that bubble or is it as academia sometimes is a bit of a side, yeah. you know, would you how would you describe it? Yeah, thank you. Good question. So I actually go through this phase. So I will have, you know, core AI components, including fundamental algorithms in AI, for example, solving problem by search. This is a, a very long standing topic in AI, problem solving by search, and then uncertainty, and then probability. So this is the core functionalities of the AI course. And then I am trying my level best to add some additional layers to it in terms of application. So I am teaching application of AI in medical image analysis, application of AI in natural language processing, application of AI in robotics, three different kind of branches in terms of AI and its application in different domains. So for example, in application AI in medical, in computer vision, I am trying to provide my students with some sort of hands-on practices in medical image analysis, you know, to have them being familiar with the challenges and difficulties we have in medical image analysis with the use of AI-powered models. But in terms of natural language processing, I will change the gaze a little bit to social media, how they can harness social media with the use of AI components. So different, you know, applications in terms of domain and also different application in terms of the data type they want to use. One data type is medical image medical images. The other one is 
free text social media posts blogs those kind of things and robotics uh, we we are talking about you know pathfinder those kind of things in in robotics oh we can talk all day about all the different connections that's lovely that there's some thought around going across different disciplines and um and that place before we close we always ask our guests to think of a futuristic ai application they'd love to see exist and to describe it for us what would you love to see yeah so you know very nice question my answer to this one or my philosophy actually is for ai is i would like to see ai assist us to make a better world so i am actually highlighting assist because i personally you know i'm a computer scientist and coming from a community so all of my degrees is is all about computer science so i didn't go anywhere else but end of the day i would like to see ai and people and human not all what i'm trying to say is that so with the use of ai we can think about some sort of assistive technologies assistive components to help us to make a better world we don't want to replace at least i don't want to replace radiologists physicians you know humans teachers professors with ai so this is the thing i am i would be more than happy to see as the outlook in terms of ai you know just to think ai as a assistive kind of technologies that can help us to make a better world better world for us better world for our children better world for humanity itself thank you we've had preeti and amad today it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with both of you today thanks for joining us and this brings this edition of humanitarian ai today to a close